second reading comes from 1 John chapter 2, starting at verse 3. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light, but hates a brother or sister, is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know what, where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Morning, everyone. What was that? Got it. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's great to see... Crunchy. It's great to see uh, everyone here this morning. For those of you who are online, welcome to the uh, 10 o'clock service. We're going to be looking at uh, the second part of uh, the letter that John has written to one of his churches. You know, some days I don't feel like I'm a Christian. Some days uh, I don't feel like I have eternal life. And some days, the sheer burden and pressure of the world around me is just a bit too much to bear. It's like I'm constantly swimming against the tide, uh, swimming uphill, so to speak. And some days, I just find it harder and harder to be like Jesus. And I'm sure I'm not alone in feeling that, and I'm sure there are people in this room who sometimes feel the same. So what is this niggling doubt that we have as Christians? What's, this, what's, the, what's it doing to us? Like the Apostle Paul, we often find ourselves thinking and doing what we don't want to think, what we don't want to do. We want to do things according to what we know to be right, but what we find ourselves doing is the exact opposite. Why can't we be just like Jesus after we've received God's gift of salvation? If we try to get answers to these sorts of things by looking into ourselves, we will get more and more confused because we're really not the authority on this at all. And these are big questions about life, aren't they? And big questions demand big answers. And the big answers are not coming from within us. They come from the one who created this world. They come from the one who sustains this world. And they come from the one who lives in us. We need to look to God's word because that's where he speaks to us about the relationship that we have with him and about what the issues are 
in our lives. Now, there are many places within the Bible that we can look for information about this and we look for guidance about this. Today, we're looking at one small portion in the letter of John. And in here, John is going to explain to us how we can have assurance in our lives as Christians. Before we begin, let me pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we come before you in obedience as your people. As we read from your word, we pray that you will teach us, that you will rebuke us, that you will correct us and train us in righteousness, so that we may serve and honour you as you equip us for every good work. Amen. The big question is, how can we be assured that we're God's people? Do each of us really know him? John says, by this we may be sure that we know him. So he's going to give us the answers. Just a bit of background. John, uh, the people in John's church have been shaken in their confidence. Relationships within their church have been fractured. All over the question of who Jesus is. There were experienced people, leaders, teachers within that church who had a lot of knowledge and who exerted influence and they've now left the church and they're saying that the basis of their faith back then was wrong. They no longer believed that Jesus was the Son of God or the Messiah. They left the church and those who were left behind started to question what's going on. They were grappling with questions about how sure they were about their knowledge of Jesus. Was it genuine? Was it real? If their belief was wrong and that didn't lead to salvation, were they even saved? How can they be sure? It must have been a very confusing and upsetting time. John realises that this is going on and he enters with his letter. He understands how aware and is acutely aware of the situation in that church or those churches. And he wants to remind them, to assure them of their salvation. But not only that, to challenge them. Let me explain. His purpose is to guide believers uh, and to help them to make a determine, not based on a determination about their life, not based on their own understanding, but based on God's understanding and God's saving grace. You see, the customs and cultures of our world today infiltrates our churches. We need to be vigilant to the influence and examine any practices that come in to our worship, to our relationships. We need to test them, not against our values, but against the values and, and uh, statements within God's word. A lot of churches have succumbed to the world's values. They've given up on the truth. They've instead positioned themselves to be more appealing to the world, a bit like marketing. Um, They've adopted practices that mirror the practices that we see outside the church. They've given up proclaiming God's word and they've joined the dark side. Since joining that side, they walk around in darkness. They don't know where they're going because the darkness that they're in has blinded them to the truth. How can we be assured that we are God's people? 
Do each of us really know him? Well, I want to deal with that under four headings. Firstly, the word of God lives in us. Secondly, obedience brings assurance. Thirdly, one of two challenges, the challenge to live like Jesus. And fourthly, the challenge to love one another. The passage I'm going to, the, the way I'm going to treat the passage is by starting at verses 12 to 14, because I think that sets the scene for what we are talking about. They might seem, when you read, first read uh, 1 John, they might seem as if it's a sort of a bit out of place in the flow of the, flow of the passage. But I think John is trying to make a very important point because he wants to state fundamentally the truths about God's people. He's reminding the readers that God has acted in history. He gave up his son as the perfect sacrifice for sin. And this truth assures us that we are God's people. These verses speak to all of us, to, little ch to children, to fathers and to young men. Now you might think, where are the women involved here? children we're all children of God he is trying to encourage us with statements of fact about the relationship that God has with his people he is affirming and encouraging us and reassuring us that we are saved for we are indeed God's people the word of God lives in us he says and we have overcome the evil one not we ourselves with our capabilities and powers, but through the word of God, through Jesus living in us, we have overcome the evil one. With him living in us, we are forgiven. We know him from the beginning. We are strong, not because of what we can do, but what God has done in us through Jesus. He is equipping us to live life as his people. He's reminding us, John, John is reminding us that we have the full assurance that we are indeed his people and we need to trust God at his word and to act accordingly. Now, it may seem sometimes that when the surety of what I'm saying uh, might sound a bit hollow, you think, well, I don't really know how to do that and how to trust God. Here's an example of what it looks like in the life of a, another Christian man. Some of you may know uh, of the uh, fellow called John Chapman, who was a gifted evangelist who worked in Sydney and in other parts of Australia and uh, also in England over the, the 60s, 70s and 80s. Now, he lived a Christian life just like you and I. He experienced the temptations we experienced, the loneliness, the disappointment, the sickness, the grief, the anxiety and depression. Yet he was able to give comfort with the comfort that he received in the knowledge that he was God's child. And one of, he said many uh, uh, things, but one of the things that really stood out to me is on the message of doubt. When he was doubting the, uh, the veracity of his faith. He said this, look, when I get up in the morning and I've had enough of being a Christian... 
I sit on the end of the bed and swing my legs over the side and say, John Chapman, have you had any fresh information that Jesus Christ did not live? No, I have not, he would answer himself. And John Chapman, have you had any fresh information that Jesus Christ did not die for you or rise from the grave or promise to return? No, I have not, said John to himself. Well, John Chapman, get off the bed, keep going, because it's obviously the right thing to do. In the absence of anything to the contrary, in the, in the presence of truth and love, we need to keep going. The word of God lives in us. Obedience brings assurance. The second point. We know that we've come to know him. Knowing isn't simply about facts. It's not simply about information. It's not simply something that we have to pass a test. The knowing here is about a personal relationship with Jesus. It's deeply spiritual and deeply personal with the only true God. That's what we're talking about. If we were to say that we knew him, then we'd be talking about an event that happened in the past. The way John expresses it here is that we know him. Not only had we met him at some point in time, but we know him now and we continue in that knowing relationship with him as we live our life. And knowing God brings a certain expectation and this is where the obedience comes in. Knowing God, it is impossible for us not to do what he commands. If we think it is, we make him out to be a liar. If we know God, we will follow his commands. And the commands that John refers to here are the two commands upon which all the others hang. Namely, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. And secondly, love your neighbour as yourself. The first of those two commands is to genuinely love the Lord your God with every part of your being, with your body, your thoughts, your words, your deeds, even what you eat for breakfast, and how to treat that annoying person in your life who continues to push those buttons that make you angry. Loving your neighbour as yourself means that you find as much joy and comfort and satisfaction in the success of your neighbour as you do in your own success, in the mourning of your neighbour as you mourn in your own life, as you seek relief in their life, as they seek relief in their life and as you seek relief in yours. Be alongside them, share with them in their suffering and in their joy. Be with them. To know God is to obey him. John tells us that our obedience to God makes the love, makes our love for God, sorry, John tells us that our obedience to God makes love for God complete in us. Our obedience is the key that unlocks that relationship and our experience of God's love. Why? Because he first loved us. That's how we love. It is only when we obey that we can truly see God's love for us. 
Now I need to, um, I'm short-sighted. I need to wear glasses when I drive. Oh, hello Pete. <laughs> if you ever see me driving around the place without glasses on, pull over and stop. Let me go past. Now my optometrist tells me that to see clearly I need to wear glasses for distance. Oh, hi Basil. <laughs> if I take them off, you're all in soft focus. Now soft focus is good if you're a photographer taking portraits, but not when you're driving. God has given us his word and his son to be the glasses on our face. The world is a fuzzy place. The glasses God gives us through his word, through his son, allows us to see more clearly who he is, what his relationship with us is, and what our obedience responsibility is to him. You are now in soft focus. The word of God lives in us. Obedience brings assurance. And now we have two challenges that we're going to talk about. The first challenge is, is that we need to model Christ's behaviour. John's a very good authority on Christ's behaviour because he was around during his whole three and a half years of ministry. He saw Jesus walk on water. He saw Jesus multiply the bread and the fish. He saw him glow on the mountainside during the transfiguration. He saw him enter Jerusalem in triumph. And then during the same week, he saw him endure unlawful arrest, unlawful trial, torture, crucifixion. And three days later, he saw him alive again. So he was a first-hand witness to all of this. So the challenge to live like Jesus means that we need to follow the things that Jesus did. The best place to find them? God's word. The challenge to live like Jesus is huge because he did things perfectly and we find ourselves falling short all the time, don't we? Uh, we do things we don't want to do. We don't do the things the way Jesus did them. But let me encourage you that not to give up on that. It's worth pursuing it. It's worth being obedient to God's word. Not only does he give us a challenge to live like Jesus, which is about ourselves, he gives us the challenge to love others, which is about giving of ourselves. He's talking here about a commandment that he calls old and new. It's old because God always asked this of his people from the time he gave his commandments. And it's new because it's possible now in Jesus, in the way that it could never have been before. How can we be sure we know God? We can with Jesus living in us. And one indicator of that is the way we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. The way we are concerned for each other. The way we look after each other. The way we get alongside each other when people are hurting. The way we get alongside each other when people are happy and are celebrating. During the time uh, when Jesus was speaking, uh, at the time we know as the Sermon on the Mount, he said of the commandment not to murder, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you 
Anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So if we find ourselves in a situation where we are angry with another brother or sister in Christ, that's a serious matter. There's no room for that in our living as Christians. Jesus takes the matter of hatred of a brother or sister in Christ extremely seriously. So if they hate a brother or sister in this way, they're actually acting as if God, if they're God, because they're making a judgment about that person. And that's not anywhere in our job description as Christians. We are called not only to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, but to love our enemies. Doubly hard. Doubly hard. If we continue to act in a way and hate our brothers and sisters, we are in for a rude shock. We're in big trouble. We're skating on thin ice. Our role is not to judge, but to love. The word of God lives in us. Obedience brings assurance. We are challenged to live like Jesus and we are challenged to love. We've seen from God's word that Jesus lives in us and through that we have overcome the evil one. We have learned that as God's people we know him if we keep his commands. We are also um, reminded that as followers of Jesus, it's important that we critically examine how we live, it, live our lives. Does it match up to the expectations of living like Jesus? Does it match up to the expectations of how saved people should live? And finally, we need to love our brothers and sisters to be in the light, not in the darkness. You see, as you grow as a Christian and you're in and, and Christian maturity, we sometimes find that we are probably getting worse, not better. Let me explain. We become more and more aware of our sin. We become more and more aware of our shortcomings. And that can be discouraging, can't it? We feel as if we're not only um, swimming against the tide, but that we're just getting it all wrong all the time. And the more we try, the more we're confronted by how weak and sinful we really are. And we sometimes find ourselves questioning the validity of our salvation. We seek assurance that we're still God's people. Well, let us take heart. Becoming more and more aware of sin is evidence that we are becoming more mature in our faith. Our heightened awareness of our sin brings us to a closer understanding of the enormity of God's grace. What he did for us that we didn't deserve. It brings us to a closer understanding of that huge sacrifice that Jesus um, made for us when he dealt with our sin on the cross. How he lowered himself and emptied himself of himself to save us. So our assurance is not found by focusing on our hearts, looking within ourselves. We aren't up to that. Assurance is found by focusing on God and our saviour Jesus we're to look to him because that's where the salvation comes from. He's the only one who knows us and we know him. Hang on to that. Trust him who is from the beginning. Be strong in him because the word of God does live in us. 
as Christians. And we have him and he has overcome the evil one. Our salvation is assured. Our relationship with Jesus is assured. A bit like what John said at the end there. Well, knowing all this, keep going. It's the best thing you, you can do. Keep going. Now, at this point, I, want to break, I wanted to break into a verse of blessed assurance, but I may save you from that. But if you, if you know the hymn, you know the tune, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. That's who we are. We are his. Let me close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the assurance that you give us through your word, through our relationship with your son Jesus. We pray, Father, for the continuing blessing of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Help us to become more like Jesus. Help us to overcome our sinfulness and love our brothers and sisters as, as you loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.